Welcome to the Lunch Hour Geek Out. My name is John Holt, and with me is my co-host, wingman and bro from another mo, James Brigginshaw. How are you? I'm very well, sir. Um, dare I tentatively ask how, how you are? Well, young fellow lad, <laughs> pull up a chair and let me tell you my tale of woe, because I have had COVID-19. Bum, bum, bum. Dun, dun, dun. Finally, it got me after like how long has it been? Two and a like half years, years or whatever yeah. like that. Me and you, partially it is your fault because me and you went out on a Friday night. There yep. was a, a lot of people that licked me. <laughs> um, we were in that dirty ass place where we oh. saw some things we shouldn't have seen. Oh, and, terrible. Uh, you know. Yep. It, it, it's been awful so we did all that but then two mm. days later i was i was just fucked and it just felt like having an asthma attack and i'm triple vaxxed and it, it still like just knocked me out for like a week and it was just a real shame because it fucked up my my whole week i had tickets and all sorts last week that i had to miss couldn't go you know to the union jack bnp party that they had down my street <laughs> missed missed all the platy jubes just awful my my most hated word pro- probably ever like platy jubes it's fucking terrible i don't well, know who came up with it it incenses me it is <laughs> Why? it's it's horrible platy <laughs> jubes what, <laughs> what are we chavs from 2003 like yeah like, oh, platy jubes go platy jubes in it like oh, it's just this jingoistic chirpy cockney type shite that's bmp people would be saying platy jubes so why, right. why we're saying it i don't know well, honestly I all the parties anyway I they're all shit platy jubes indoors like a mug <laughs> see queen on the fucking stage yeah well i don't think she, she was no. near stage she even I, like she actually blew out like the last three days of her, her own like celebration didn't she she like, turned yeah. up day one and she's like oh man enough of this platy juice shit <laughs> she was like <laughs> patted charles on the head off we go son <laughs> yeah and then just, just went off and had like a cocaine binge or something they, they just try and wake <laughs> her up every day yeah mummy are you are you all right she's like ah fuck off <laughs> and i kept like i kept seeing these really weird things on social media it's like oh look at the children aren't the oh. children misbehaving it's like <laughs> yeah. wow the main thing we've taken away from the platy jubes is the Royals kids are little shit, yeah. just like ours. <laughs> and also, yeah, th- there was that. And there was also this um, wonderful obsession that, that we seem to have with anything Harry and Meghan Markle like do. So their mm. whole thing was like, oh, it's low profile. They didn't stand in the balcony. They mm. just stayed in the background, looked after the kids. And these articles mm. were like, well, they've caused quite a storm, haven't they? They've just turned up. Yeah, they've just they've just been there, and yeah. and just and 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 they've been pointing at things. How dare they? How dare they turn up? And if they didn't turn up, we'd be like, How dare they not turn up? And turn up and it's yeah. like, what what do you want from these people? Like, I'm no Harry and Meghan fan, but what what what? To, I just think they want they want to like crucify them. I can't 
there's just I think they do. I think uh yeah. It's weird. We've had a strange microcosm in this country of in the last week of all the things I hate about this country. Yeah, true. <laughs> it's yeah. been like yeah, this 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 is like nationalist bullshit followed by this conservative bullshit. Oh god. And it's yes. just like all in the midst uh, of a covid space nightmare so yeah yeah, yeah. It's li- you're right it's a microcosm for what we've gone through in the last three years yeah not 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 been fun i did go to well i say i went to a street party i walked past one and it was... <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to one james well i down I've the t- street look i've ticked <laughs> off my bucket list now i've ticked platy jubes <laughs> uh, i wanted to it. stay alive from the platy jubes that's my, yeah. my main goal. <laughs> and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. But yeah, which is literally like the longest table I've ever seen. Um, some chairs. Some people were sitting in said chairs. And that was it. Like, people just brought their own shit and just sat outside. So why, why yeah. do you want to do that? See, I Especially was a teenager when they had uh, VE Day in like 1995. Oh, yeah. And I actually went. I was one of those people outside Buckingham Palace Gates as Cliff Richard performed white cliffs of dover but that went to a street party on the way home from that and it was shit it was like literally one guy with with a decorating table out front and like a union jack cloth he's like sat there with his arms folded on an overcast day <laughs> it says it all that's our country <laughs> yeah that is that is our country i also went to see um a choir in blackheath near near where i live and it was it was an amateur choir, but like you can imagine everyone in that um, in the choir is called like Sandra mm-hmm. or Deborah. And they're all just yeah. like it was all attitude. It was all just. Yeah. But the tent was so like comically small and the crowd, there must have been about 500 people there. So we couldn't mm-hmm. even we couldn't even see or hear the stage because there were no speakers. But yet everyone was sitting around like having a time of their life. And it was probably the shittest thing I've ever been to. <laughs> It was all really good until Anna and Jackie started moshing and ruined it. Oh, honestly. And then they started playing Grease Lightning and the piano players playing like bum notes and stuff. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Grease Lightning. Oh, la, la, la. Yeah, it was just mm-hmm. all a bit surreal. Um, this whole okay. this whole England malarkey. Such a mess. Anyway, yeah. COVID-19, zero stars. Would not zero recommend. Stars. Shit <laughs> off, COVID. We kind of had enough of you now. Anyway, it's weird that like, sorry, my last point on COVID is like, it's weird that it feels like now it's kind of died down a bit. I probably know more people that have had it at this stage than at any point over the last two years. Yeah, I think the numbers are at a record high. Oh, uh, really? Like, everyone's, everyone's, like, <laughs> <laughs> everyone's just sacked it off. Oh, yeah, it. you've had your fun COVID. We're bored of you now. We're all triple vaxxed. We're, we're going out to nightclubs and things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to dance with a bunch of um, 19-year-olds to some crap music. Yeah, exactly. Sounds familiar. So anyway, in better news, we've had some correspondence via Instagram. Ooh, big on the Insta. Like, you, you can message us on Instagram if you want. Instagram and please do. Absolutely. Even if you don't want to, just do it. At Lunchour Geek on Twitter and Instagram, but then you can send us a long form email via that electronic mail, and we've mm. got a Gmail address, and it is lunchhourgeekout at gmail.com. That's all lowercase two h's, lunchhourgeekout at gmail.com. So, Paul Wilson, anyway, 
sent us some correspondence to Instagram, and he says, Hiya, weighing up getting back into gaming. Would you recommend the PS5 or joining the PC Master Race? Any opinions would be great. Tar, Paul. So, I love the PS5, but it's huge and it ugly. (laughs) (laughs) That should be It is the size of a portable radiator or air conditioning unit. Yeah. Um, But it's so, so fucking quick. Like, in terms of updates and loading, um, it's really, really great. Uh, There hasn't been one of these, you know, piece de resistance games that really takes advantage of the full power of the thing yet. But I think it's coming. I think this time next year, we'll probably be really looking forward to something that's really taken advantage of things. But you, you probably have an opinion on this, but then I will counter your opinion before you say it (laughs) with all you've done is moan about it. (laughs) But go on. That's true. Go That's on. true. We'll, we'll gloss over the bad stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, I would say, yeah, to be honest, what you said about the PS5 is right. Like, there's going to be good games coming out for yeah. it. That's not to say there aren't good games, but it's just not been anything um, astonishing. Huh. Um, obviously, it's cheaper. It, it does look ugly as all hell, but it's, it's, you can just kind of tuck it away in a, albeit quite a large corner of your room. And yeah. um, so it's, you know, good, great to pick up and play. Now, the thing with the PC is, yeah, so it's so a rumor has it that I've had quite a few problems <laughs> with my PC. So well. Uh, being, <laughs> well, yeah, where do I even start? I mean, as somebody I've never owned a PC. So I had a friend who luckily was um, uh, very like an expert on PCs, knows how to set it up. So he helped me set it up. I did. I was running off the wrong graphics card for a while. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) that's undeniable. Like, yeah, I was just running off the. Because my PC had two graphics cards one like the super duper one and one Mm. the inbuilt one. And it was just running off the inbuilt one. And I was like, why are the graphics so shit? I've been missold this. And and I just, it's literally just. So if if you know what you're doing or have a, a. yeah a kind of familiarity with a pc then absolutely i'd say if not definitely would recommend uh yeah getting some advice whether from a friend or an expert because at least in my case i didn't know what i didn't know so um you know it was basically like a monstrosity at the beginning and i was like oh this is fine and then my friend looked at it and it was like no this doesn't work i also took bits out of the pc and tried to brush them down with a brush apparently you're not meant to do that so i nearly broke my pc from uh, uh yeah and that 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 was from november so i nearly broke my pc in like six <clears> weeks <throat> um the only other thing i'd say about the pc is to get like a decent setup i mean mine probably cost me all told probably about two and a half grand which i think is oh that's a lot my dude it That's is a, a lot, lot of money. It is you a lot. Could buy three PS5s for that. <laughs> you could. You Especially could just four. Actually, you could have two lot on your hands, like knuckle dusters and like shoulder pads or something. Jesus, I didn't realize you spent that much money on. Yeah, it. yeah. Uh, and to to get like a good setup, you do have to because you know it's a couple hundred quid for the monitor. The actual base unit was mm. 
um, I think 1700 and stuff. And then once you get the mouse mat, I mean, it's not that expensive, but the mouse keyboard, um, you know, stuff like that, then it, it yeah. does all, it does all stack up. So I would say if you want a PC, mm. do save a little bit to try and get yourself a good uh, setup. I, I and, think the actual answer to this is buy a PS5, isn't it? Really? <laughs> yeah. It depends how easy you want your life to be. If you want to spend not a lot of money and just pick up and play something, PS5, definitely. Um, And the only reason I didn't buy a PS5 famously is because there was that chip shortage. So I was just waiting for one to be available. And I was like, fuck it. Yeah, I think think they're still really hard to get. That's the ridiculous thing about it. I think Xbox or Microsoft sorted out their problems. So I think it's Sony is still... Yeah. Um, so, like, it's genuinely rewarding, and you d- there are games on PC, although it's less of a case now, but there are still some games that you can only get on PC. Eventually, most games on consoles come to PC, especially with Xbox, etc. And you've got mm. Bethesda and stuff, which is nice. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just more of an, an, an investment. And yeah. I feel like with the PC as well, it kind of sucks your time away, whereas it's a lot easier with a console just to be like, Let's put my controller down and stuff, but mm. you know. Mm. I'm basically hooked up to my PC at all times, so it's harder to mm. to break through. So yeah. Well, that's kind of why I think I'll never be a full-on PC gamer because I'm sitting at a laptop all day long. Yeah. And I'm sitting at a computer desk all day long. <coughs> what do I want to do when I come home? I don't want to sit at a computer desk. I want to sit in my living room on the couch in my pants, mm. the controller, playing the PS5 on the TV. Just resting on your nuts. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Gotta have that control pad nut thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> nut rest. The PS5 that's nut just, rest. That's just the way it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's just that. Everyone needs a nut rest. And, um, you know. Absolutely. So, anyway, yeah. that probably just confused you even more, Paul. Yeah, you're probably like... Not I will not say, gonna... Grand Theft Auto 6, probably late next year. I think that's going to be the one. Is it? I think that's going to be the one. I think that will be the game. Based on like playing that Matrix Unreal Engine 5 demo over mm. Christmas, I think that's what GTA 6 will look like. It will be that level of detail, that massive. Mm. And I think so. I think that will be the the game that sort of pushes it, pushes the the boundaries. The old hardware, yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, okay. I won't be playing it, but yeah, good luck <clears> with that. No, I know because you do not like fun. So. Let's move on Correct. into the news. Which, funnily enough, relates quite nicely to what we've just been talking about. Mm-hmm. Because my first news story today is all about Sony's State of Play event that happened last week. And was broadcast live on YouTube, which was handy for me because I don't know if I mentioned it, but I had COVID. I had COVID and I I couldn't move. I couldn't move. All right. (laughs) Did you have to get someone to stand over your bed and just just play it for you? So I was like, right, Sony, give me a reason to stay alive. And they did. Because Resident Evil 4 remake march 23rd 2023 i like that 32323 haha oh it's like i don't know what that's like but but it sounds good it's like the apparent best resident evil game 
apparently, I don't believe it, but apparently, that's what they say. Resident, Resident Evil, Evil 4, 3. 4. 4. Yeah. What? And they're saying this, given a new lick of paint, given that glossy sheen for a game that's only like actually about 15 years old anyway. Um, and it comes out next year. Mm. Street Fighter 6. Street Fighter 6. We actually saw footage of it. And bizarrely enough, there seems to be only like six characters in it. Chun Li and Ryu being the most famous ones. And it's like an open world thing. Oh, no. It's really bizarre. You yeah. like walk around and challenge people to fights and stuff. It's like Pokemon. It's like yeah, Pokemon it Go. basically is. is, is dear, Pokemon dear. Go, but with Street Fighter characters. So I think that'll be a. I think that'll be a disaster. I think that'll be an unmitigated disaster. I'm going to play the shit out of it, but it's really weird in that Street Fighter V is still fucking updating even now. I was going to say, they've had some legendarily bad releases. Um, Street Fighter V has never been a pick-up-and-play game. It is, in theory, simply for the fact that you think, oh, I'll go play Street Fighter V for a little bit. No, eight hours of fucking updates every time. And it's really annoying. And apparently, like, when it launched, it was even worse. It was one of those things where they didn't even have a game, really, and they sort of made it through patches. And the fact that this is an open world, clearly it's going to be online. I think this is a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah, definitely. It's, like, just like, mm. terrible. Anyway. Terrible. So the cyberpunk cat game, Stray, <laughs> uh, oh, comes just... out July 19th. Yeah, just all right. Let me know how it is because I, 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 I took one look at that trailer and I was like, I have absolutely no interest in this. Really? Well, th- if you were a cat in a human world, that'd be great. But there's like robots in this world. Yeah. That doesn't. That doesn't. It looks amazing. Me. Yeah. I don't know what well, I'd I look, like. Mm, but well, it's I look amazing, and you don't see me <laughs> banging on about it. So you know. Oh, I always tell you, you look amazing. Every <laughs> you do. Time. You do. Every time. And then, like, the interesting thing about Stray, this is either a warning sign or it's a sign they've got massive faith in it. This is one of the first games that's going to be free to play if you've got, like, the PS Plus Game Pass type thing. Okay. Which is interesting because that either means it's part of shit and they don't think they're going to sell it, or they're really, really confident in it coming out the gate swinging. It's going to be, yeah. I, I assume it's the latter because they want, obviously... You know, subscription services are, are, are the way to go. You know, Microsoft yeah. have got their own, you know, Xbox yeah. Game Pass. So, yeah, I, I I would say they've got a lot of confidence in it. But the best thing, James, in this state of play was this game that's come out of nowhere from the developers of Ollie Ollie World called <laughs> Rollerdrome. <laughs> Did you okay. see this trailer? I can't say that I've seen the trailer. Holy shit, dude. Right. So, you know, you seen the movie Rollerball? Yes. Right, imagine that, right, with Tony Hawk's pro skater mechanics, yeah. but you've got two guns. Okay. It looks fucking mental. <laughs> it's probably going to be a pile of shit. <laughs> Almost like, sir. Like, when I did that review of, like, My Friend Pedro, and I was talking about, like, the fucking two-gun mechanics twisting around, it's that combined with roller skates. Mm. I that mean, could be good, to be fair. Yeah. August 16th, that comes out. As long as it has um, James Khan DLC, then I'm on board. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that one. But it's yeah, got it was... a really uh, interesting looking like art style as well. It's like 
almost looks like a sort of 60s comic book like mobius you know who mobius is is he um <laughs> is he morbius is you don't know who mobius is. no i okay, don't know so uh any cultured listeners might know who <laughs> mobius is and they'll know what i'm talking about but anyway all right good luck to morbius the living vampire <laughs> <laughs> and then there's something called eternites which actually doesn't look that great it's like it looks like persona crossed with tron legacy well, yeah i'm out i'm not impressed no i'm and then there's this game coming out December 2nd called The Callisto Protocol. Awesome. Which is from... Is it, though? It's yes. from the makers of Dead Space, and it just yes. looks like Dead Space. It is, like, but it's... There's a Dead it, Space remake coming out a month later. I don't that know is, what point in, in that is. That is true. Uh, yeah, I... Mm, well, I think with this one, they've got, you know, because it's, it's the old team, so... Um, you know, I, I, I mean, visually, it, yeah, it doesn't look too too different. But I don't know. Like, I, I like the fact it's Dead Space without actually kind of redoing Dead Space, as it were. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that in Dead Space, it's been years since I played it. But mm. I seem to remember there's not much character to no. that character. Whereas, like, in the this trailer for the Callisto Protocol, he's, like, gabbing away full dialogue mm. yeah whereas mm. isaac's yeah the silent protagonist very silent yeah it's a good it's a good point though to be fair that you know coming out within a month of of uh of dead space that'll either be great because people associate it with dead space and people go out and buy it or it'll be a death sentence because people will be like oh i'll just wait for dead space so um yeah but i feel yeah. like anything that isn't resident evil that tries to do a new sort of horror ip sort of dies a bit mm. like the the evil within those games sort of flops oh, yeah. there was that game called prey about five years ago that everyone like ignored and like a few people played it and actually said it was great but everyone I, ignored it. funnily enough i played it last week probably got about four hours in i was just like i've just, I'm just a bit you sacked it off really what people like hell? you get a glue gun or a bubble gun or something All right, yeah, yeah. but that's that the thing hope. like those those sorts of triple a horror games are by and large all very similar doing mm. very similar things like you have to go like i played that have you heard of this like thai taiwanese game called detention that's about a tenor it's been out is that, is that the, it's like a 2d type thing yeah, yeah yeah so i don't know if i mentioned it but i had covid and so when i was in bed last week i played detention because it's like a three-hour gaming experience that give I, you like... I was confined to my bed it's it's absolutely terrifying dude it's the yeah. scary it, it does a lot of the same things that ghostwire tokyo does but for some reason it does them with absolute horror it's so mm. scary fuck so i think those sorts of lower budget more experimental things are sort of run away with the horror market you know yeah like indie indie horror games are like the thing now like the amount of videos that i watch well yeah. i don't watch too many but of, yeah youtubers playing some game that's like yeah like a 30 minute one hour experience and that's mm. that's enough and i think i think that's the thing with horror games is like drawing out horror you know for a film or whatever two hours is a lot but for a game and you're trying to draw out same horror tropes for six to eight hours yeah it's just it falls flat and you're right like resident evil there's so many templates off of that 
Mm. Which uh, I do yeah. think Dead Space was one and has been one of the more successful ones. But um, mm. yeah, I think uh, <coughs> it'd be interesting to see. But I can see like the Callisto Protocol sort of being that that kind of seven out of ten game mm. that doesn't really sell very well. But then in a couple of years' time, you see like YouTube videos and people are like, "Whoa." We didn't know how good we had it. <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing. But we'll see on that one. Uh, yeah, but but out, out of all those games you mentioned, that is yeah. probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. But well, I mean, most of these games you are going to be able to get on the PC. Yeah, I don't think I think Stray is an exclusive, but I think the rest of them might be like actual. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. Well, this is the thing. I mean, sometimes it can take months or years, but most. I mean, Days Gone. I remember when that was a PS4 exclusive, and that's very much on PC now. So yeah, all the that's the thing. All the PlayStation exclusives do make their way to PC mm. anyway now, don't they? Yeah, th- this whole kind of console like exclusive thing is yeah, it's kind of less and less because I think there's more and more money involved. Mm. Developers are just like, well, actually, we'll just we'll we'll get in the, the the punters first, and then we'll release it to everyone eventually. So yeah, exactly. All right, so look out for those games. Uh, most of them coming out this year, second half of this year, early next year. So second news story that I have is, do you remember a little movie? I don't know how this hit with your generation, mm. but um, do you remember like a movie called Arachnophobia? Yes, and that was very much, I think it came out in, was 89 or 90? 1990, like was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, as an arachnophobe, which mm. I think most people are in some way, terrified me. Now, watching it, I think I last saw it maybe about six years ago, and it, it it's not that it didn't hold up, it just looked a bit a bit dated, and they're clearly just, you know, the tarantula looked like a bunch of pipe cleaners glued together. But at the time, like, terrifying, and also, like, one of the like quintessential horror comedies as well um yeah like, uh yeah loved it it terrified me i don't know how much of a kind of cultural phenomenon it is but well you just you just have to compare the spider i mean the you know the only film that comes close to that mm. uh that came out recently is eight-legged freaks and that's really mm. not very good so well uh, the see the thing is with arachnophobia when it came out it wasn't a box office hit and then it came out here like six months after it came out in the States. And it was, I'm pretty sure it was like a PG. Yes, so it Everyone was, yeah. went to see it. And then it was like a terrifying experience because <laughs> yeah. it was packed. But like people were like screaming and like throwing popcorn at each other. So it was like, I was, you know, 11 when all this happened. So it was great for me. I was like in absolute <laughs> one of the best cinema experiences of my young life but that's mm. the thing it is it harkens back to a time when that was a pg and you could do that as a pg mm. film you can't do that in a pg anymore no because it's just too scared of offending everyone at all that, time. yeah that's the thing as soon as somebody says something's a pg or something i know mm. there's going to be zero violence yeah. zero kind of offense or, or trying yeah. to kind of push your boat out so so they released like this this teaser poster for this already, and it's pretty cool. You'll 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 enjoy this. It's like a close up of like a human ear, mm. and then a spider about to climb into it. 
<laughs> so I don't. Yeah, I don't think this is going to be a PG. <laughs> no, I fucking hope not. Because no. so the director anyway is Christopher Landon, who directed Happy Death Day and Freaky, which are both movies I enjoyed a quite quite a bit. That both uh, meant to be quite good. Yeah. Yeah, very inventive. Freaky, especially, is is freaking hilarious. Um, so Amblin Entertainment, Spielberg's production company, who produced the first one, they're on board again as producers and hopefully we should see this late next year i think let the let it show on the record that i've heard what you said and i'm actually excited about it and i are you actually excited about a news story yeah i actually yeah not just like arms folded like just getting ready to bat bat it away like i'm genuinely i will probably go and see the remake regardless of what the reviews say it's that's and this is a real shame because I would have had more news stories this week, but I wasn't really able to keep up. And do you know why? why? No, because why I've had that? COVID. Oh, you had co- Oh, okay. No, I didn't know. Did you mention it? No, I don't think you meant. Maybe just mention it at the end, just in case. I don't think. Maybe. I don't think people would pick that See up. See how many more times I can get it in before the end of the episode. <laughs> so that's the news for this week. Let us now move into our reviews of the week. And you may or may not have noticed that you have COVID. This actually came out when I was I was slightly better from my COVID. I was actually okay. able to make it to the sofa for this one. <laughs> so the boys season three dropped. Hit me. Ooh. Tell me about the boys season three. I mean, yes. I, so I'll chime in as and win. But you have the yeah. So yeah, boys season three. I think we're three episodes in. Now I don't know about you, but did this kind of come as a surprise? As in. It was just suddenly there because I, I mean, I tend not to keep on top of news in terms of when stuff is being released, but I was bored as all hell um, one day last week, just flicking through Amazon. And I was like, hang on, is yeah. this is this season three of like one of the shows I actually love the most? So it yeah. was, yeah. No, I knew it was coming, but it. What I I find happens now is I know the days and dates that these things are coming, but then life being so busy and so chaotic all around it it just suddenly comes up and it's suddenly there and i'm like oh yeah that is that is out today yeah and to be honest with to be honest with the other two items i talk about probably in a very similar vein um Mm. yeah so with with it's now three episodes in yeah um continues obviously the story from beforehand so we start to get a bit of a fallout from you know what happened at the end of season two with mm-hmm. Stormfront. Um, obviously, don't want to give too much away, so I'll try and be as spoiler free as I can. But yeah, there's a kind of fallout from Stormfront, and you, you find out kind of what happened to her. There is mm-hmm. a kind of emerging <coughs> setup in season two, especially, but there's now a kind of fully fledged power struggle between Starlight and Homelander. Starlight's influence grows and homelanders uh, is seemingly on the wane but then kind of goes back up again mm-hmm. um 
I think having seen the trailers for, um, for season three a, a few months back, I think the thing it played on a lot and it does play a lot in the series is Homelander kind of losing his kind of state of mind, losing his, his senses. He becomes more, I wouldn't say he becomes more unhinged, but he does less to cover it up. And I think there's, um, you know, without knowing what's going to happen, I think, you know, he's going to start doing those despicable acts that he does. He's going to not hide them as much or not care as much. Um, so there's some standout moments uh, that there's in every season. There's always um, <laughs> it's always a, a comedy death in there. So <laughs> one of probably one of my favorite TV moments of the last few years is when a man jumps up someone's um asshole basically oh, dude. and some things <laughs> well it doesn't happen. even go that well, way it's like what happens is i think what makes it like so effective is you know what's coming you know exactly what's like coming. you know when you see that dude shrink down and you see him like having it away with like a barbie doll <laughs> entertaining his party yes and then he shrinks back up and the dude leads him away to the bedroom. You're like, I oh, know what's coming. Mm. But then it's so much worse. Because it's like, that doesn't happen, but that happens. And then you know what's yeah. coming. Like, yeah. Like, it, it, it's, and, and it's just like, I love how unnecessarily and absurdly graphic it was. It was just well, that's the no thing. Dude, that's but... what I love about the boys. Is no one ever just gets shot and falls down. Everyone, <laughs> yeah. everyone explodes or yeah. dies in like an absolute shower of yeah blood, or their body is dismembered in a way you've never seen before yeah it's just the gore in it is off the chart well well i <laughs> I, th- I thought i'd seen every decapitation that was known to man but you know this even outdoes for me outdoes scanners in terms of like heads popping like it's yeah. just horrific but yeah. it's, it's still funny but it but in a you know not in a kind of novelty way like it's you no. know it, it brings across a horror of what's happened, but also the the, the kind of outlandish humour. Um, there, there's also another highlight. Uh, Butcher um, has a fight with the superhero, which for many reasons was very interesting. Mm-hmm. In terms of uh, the, the other positive I'd say before I get onto a slight negative is Carl Urban as butcher i don't know how he does it because he's not even doing the right accent the longer he does this the more he drops the cockney and just goes into australian but it works and i can't quite work out why yeah i i don't know if you've noticed this but something i've noticed in this season of the boys Mm. is carl urban's dialogue isn't as well written anymore and so that it like the fake Cockney accent really stands out because mm. he said he said two things this <laughs> in the last couple of episodes, which I haven't heard any English person say for about thirty years. <laughs> he said he said he went, Oh, you little blighter. I've not heard anyone call anyone else a blighter for a, a years. A long time. And then he said, Oh, it hit me on me on me bonts. <laughs> I was a bit like no one said bonce in I don't since I was like six. That's true. <laughs> it's a really long time. So I was a bit like, oh, they they they've obviously got like this Cockney dictionary in the in the right. <laughs> like a generator, just like <laughs> And they're just like, oh, we haven't used this one before. Let's stick this one in. And that was kind of it was ringing a bit false. And then after that, I was kind of 
a bit like, or oh, I want to hear what he's going to say next because I bet he, he said naff. Yeah, he said the yeah, word naff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No yeah. one has said since no one says that. I'm telling you. So it's like, yeah, interesting. <laughs> so it's like verging on parody, even without. Uh, yeah, I mean, no, I did. I, I have to go back, but I didn't notice it in seasons one or two. It just like here, it really stuck out. Yeah, I've always been. I'm a bit of a stickler for for accents in film and tv so so when it doesn't quite ring true it's like peaky blinders i couldn't get past the first episode because the midlands accent and, and the northern irish accent were both like atrocious and i mean like amdram productions would have would have done it better and i just couldn't get past it people were like it's a great show and i was like, i can't get past it i don't know if maybe for me because i kind of picked it up in the early seasons i'm just kind of used to it now with 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 Carl Urban, um, yeah. but yeah, it's just yeah, it's just it's just very strange. I would I'd say the one thing that I'm not enjoying as much so far is this plot about Soldier Boy, and there's a weapon which is meant to kill a certain superhero, and that stuff. I I, I don't know. I don't really care for it to be honest. Um, yeah. Is that nice? flashback scene about Nicaragua and so I like that but I, yeah I don't really that was pretty cool it. except that that group seemed mm. like complete and utter idiots <laughs> yeah. didn't they like yeah. in a sense like yeah. the, the whole point of this show is the superheroes are human beings and they're mm. gonna act as as a superhero would when you know ego gets involved and that kind of thing but those people that group <laughs> seemed like absolute morons <laughs> yeah. and it was a little disappointing because there's a certain character who's been in it from the start who never mm. says anything mm. and you sort of saw his origin story there and i was a bit like oh that's disappointing yeah that was weird <laughs> that was one of those things where i looked at it and i was like huh that's a bit strange okay like yeah, yeah I, I didn't think uh that reveal paid off no and i, and I still had a few questions about it where i was a bit like hang on does that mean it's him and then i was like is it mm. someone else or like it all just got a bit yeah yeah i didn't like that that's that's a, that's mm. a great shout mm. um but i think you know it's a they have a formula they have a formula which works um, yeah obviously I, you know i feel like we're a bit spoiled uh these days i do wish i could just watch them all because that's kind of the form that i'm used to watching them uh, mm. in but um yeah, because uh, you've read the comics as well. So would you say that? Yeah, it... so I've read like I think the first four volumes of the comics, but that was oh, literally like... fifteen years ago now, something like that. But I do remember like the gore, the showers of gore, the way everyone dies. That's directly out of the comic. Because mm. um, I heard. Then... That... Sorry, go on. So the the thing that they've introduced, which is sort of leveling the playing field, if you like, in this season, that's in the comic mm. right from the start. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I felt that was a bit shoehorned in. I was like, hang on, how did they get that? And then I was trying to. Well, they know. did. Yeah, they they have hinted at it, like because there's, if I remember correct, oh, I don't know, I don't really want to spoil it. We'll talk about it off mic, but I think that mm. there's a plot line in. You remember that plot line where they pick up the baby and it's got the X-ray on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that leads to the uh, creation okay. of that. They're, they're, yeah. they're, yeah. They have been building towards it, but yeah, mm. this thing now is in the comic right from the start. Yeah, it just he like had it suddenly, and mm. I was like, 
oh okay if someone brought it up, i can't even remember anyway yeah. um but yeah like because i really admire the fact that they have kind of mixed up from what i've heard they mix up events or, mm. or been a bit more loose in terms of as you alluded to there when events happen but yeah. that still seems to hit well with fans and mm. Uh, non-fans it, it does it's weird now because i enjoy the show so much i really mm. want to read the comics but i don't want to read the comics until the tv show's finished which i don't know if is the right way to do it yeah i wouldn't know if there's any connection i i mean i can't even remember the three volumes i've read i know the setup is the same mm. you know the way that huey's girlfriend dies dies in the exact same way yeah I think um, just certain events are done out of order from what. From what yeah, probably because I don't remember much about Homelander, but he's sort of like the mo- the main focus of the show, mm. really. Because I find that guy fascinating. He's got like one of those yeah. faces. Because I've often thought, like, if I'm gonna, if I ever made a movie, like the, I would not go on who the hot star was at the time. I'd cast it with like faces, you know, mm. faces I find interesting. And I think that Anthony Starr guy has got the most fascinating face. Genius. Because if you look at him, he could play an angel, but then he could also play the Joker. He's like got that look where, yeah, he could look like the quintessential hero, but he's got like this maniacal grin and these sad eyes. Mm, like the cold dead eyes. Like, I, I love think it that's when... what makes him so scary in the show because he's so unpredictable. Like, you know that bit where train like goes go fuck yourself like literally oh whispers. yeah that's and he goes wild. what did you say <laughs> <I love that. laughs> that's fucking and i think it is well like some of my favorite segments are like when he's doing recording like a commercial or a tv show and he does the whole you know humble southern guy and then as soon as the camera says cut his face just fucking drops and then he yeah. just starts shouting at someone that yeah that that like bit that bit was was wild <laughs> it is really good i mean i quite like at the moment it seems to have more momentum plot wise mm. than it did before because they're actually building towards you know yeah, a, a mcguffin you... that will change the game mm. or sort of level things out but i think you know, having said that i think the plan is for it to go on for two more seasons so oh, okay yeah we'll see yeah hmm. but yeah good stuff so far yeah, The Boys season three currently on Amazon. So you disappointingly <laughs> have not watched Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, which I watched all of this, especially so we could talk about it. Especially for you. But you're just like no. Wash my hands, mate. Me yeah. and Disney done. Can't which believe unfortunately it. means by proxy, me and Star Wars done. Yeah. And never a sentence I wanted to say, but I think uh, we'll see what you say. But yeah, from reviews of Kenobi and just what they've got coming up and what they've done so far. I'm so, just... do you know much in the way of spoilers about this? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I follow um, uh, a, a meme group called "It's Always Sunny in Tatooine," which combines <laughs> obviously right. Star Wars <laughs> and "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" and do you know what? The, it's uncanny how similar they are, actually, it shows. But <laughs> <laughs> because I, I still like the ones that come in about the films I've seen, 
I'm still subscribed yeah. to that, so I do end up. So I do know the characters that are in it, okay. roughly the story beats. Okay, all right. I'll I'll, I'll tread carefully, but just in case, listeners, if you don't want to be spoiled on Obi Wan Kenobi, fast forward by about ten minutes. Listen to G James speak about Stranger Things. <laughs> so anyway, right away, Obi Wan Kenobi. This feels way more cinematic and real than Book of Boba Fett did. And that might be something to do with the pandemic green screen or the fact that Boba Fett was mostly the work of Robert Rodriguez. I don't know. But it felt like a big thing. Like, I really noticed it. Like, they feel like they're actually outside in locations. And it feels like it's properly using all of the widescreen format and that kind of thing, which I really liked. So, Obi-Wan Kenobi takes place 10 years after the events of Revenge of the Sith. And it finds Obi-Wan Kenobi working as, I guess he's a sushi chef or something, <laughs> out in the desert with giant whales. How they got there, I have no idea. It's all sad. But anyway, um, he's out there, and he's sort of checking in on Luke. And what's his name? Uncle Owen. Yeah. Is that Uncle Owen? I yeah. Thought his, and I thought his name was Rizzlers for some reason. <laughs> So Riz Lars is out there in the desert and he's like not happy with Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's like, you want to on your bike, mate. <laughs> sort of thing. But um, Obi-Wan's like, he must be trained. <laughs> Riz Lars. Sort of but then um, what happens on another planet, Alderaan, is a little girl gets um, abducted by some mean space pirates, one of whom is played by Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers randomly. <laughs> I love it when he's in stuff. It's great. <laughs> Why is he there? <laughs> like, um, so it gets abducted, but it turns out all to be this scheme because there's these inquisitors who mm. work for the Empire mm. who are sent to hunt down the remaining Jedi and they're trying yes. to draw Obi-Wan out. Yeah, so, they are. Now, a criticism I have of Disney's current Star Wars plan is it like most of Hollywood seems deathly afraid of anything new. So it's all fill in the blank stuff, but don't deviate from established characters time and again. Don't do it. And so it is with Obi-Wan Kenobi. So do we need this? No, no. Am I enjoying it? Yes, I am. So there's this bit in episode three with Darth Vader. Spoiler, Darth Vader is alive. <gasps> He's alive? Okay. But there's this bit in episode three with Darth Vader, which is played almost totally in darkness with this horror film-esque score. And it had way more of an edge in this scene. It was way creepier and way more tense than anything I've seen in this saga since, like, Empire Strikes Back. Easily. This bit is wicked. Like, he's going through the darkness finding these rebels that are hiding and just like killing them with like forced strangulation sort of thing. And he's coming after Obi-Wan and then there's like fire. And at one point I like leant forward and I was like, Oh no. sort of thing. I was that into it. I was really impressed. So Ewan McGregor is great. Uh, he's got some miles on him now, obviously. And he's, uh, his version of Obi-Wan here has an edge of ruthlessness and regret to him. It felt authentic. Like he don't take no shit from, uh, you know, local con men and all that business. But then there's like 
the little girl, it turns out, is Princess Leia. <gasps> yeah. But she feels a bit shoehorned in here. That feels a bit unnecessary. Yeah, yeah I think that's fair to say. And, and, and it feels a bit like, <laughs> let's connect the dots some more. And it leads which, to some of the worst scenes of this series, yeah. if I'm honest. Which, which may I remind everybody, we criticised George Lucas rightfully for decades because he just wanted everything to fucking mirror each other and join up. And mm. and here, here Disney are just doing yeah. the same thing. I mean, there's, there's two scenes in this which are amongst the worst writing I've seen in anything, never mind Star Wars. But there's like a bit, a bit with a tree. Oh, like, I know about that bit, yeah. Yeah, it's become a meme instantly. <laughs> and then there's a little bit of dialogue that's like, Obi-Wan, are you, like, stupid? Like, what are you doing? Sort of thing. So, yeah. But anyway, I really like the Inquisitors as well and their various ambitions, etc. And their little power struggles going on. And I do not get the online bullshit hatred. Once again, I am baffled by this. Yeah, uh, it just seems like pure racism frankly yeah exactly so have you played jedi fallen order yes didn't like you it. have you didn't like it I, i'm to understand that this has some sort of connection with that this show yeah the inquisitors are oh. in uh jedi fallen order the inquisitors are also in uh uh rebels as well mm. uh, just fyi but yeah that's uh yeah, I didn't get far enough into it, but it's, I think mm. it's reasonable to assume that the Cal Kestis, who was in uh, Fallen Order, will appear at some point in Obi One because it was rumored to happen in, I think, Book of Boba Fett was rumored and Mandalorian season two. Yeah. So it's it's going to happen. Okay, for good or real. Interesting. So overall, yeah, I like this a lot. Uh, I think of a lot of that is to do with the fact that it's all the work of one director like deborah chow directs this whole thing okay. and she's definitely got an eye for the the cinema scope and all that kind of thing and you know apart from those two instances i mentioned already it's got solid writing and actually it's really weird like two of the writers that worked on this wrote like drive and collateral okay. so it, it's got a bit more of an edge than you know boba fett or even the mandalorian had i think mm. and yeah it's fan service probably yes it is but it doesn't feel that way you know it's not cloying the way boba fett was mm. you know with its certain appearances by luke and that kind of thing so overall yeah i like it mm. i don't know whether i mean people i've spoken to yeah generally i think would agree with you on the lines of like yeah it's good but maybe it's more the fact that it's kind of better than anything disney have done before maybe aside from rogue one perhaps but um yeah i think that there is see what's getting me down about star wars and is and i think kathleen kennedy came out and said any future star wars movie will be set after the sequel trilogy and i was a bit like relieved to hear that mm. because they need to leave all this behind yeah you know, i don't start want to telling see new stories I don't want to see Luke Skywalker ever again. No, we don't. And that's not because I hate him. But I've just see, seen him it shoehorned into every every story. Like, I just, yeah, yeah. Just I, leave just it, leave it behind. It. Yeah, leave it be. Exactly. Yeah, that's my uh, feelings on it. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe I'll check it out. But the the problem is, Ahsoka Tano is my favourite Star Wars character ever. 
Oh yeah. And, and I just know her series is going to be a dumpster fire. So why? Well, just because it's <laughs> just because it's Disney and that they will fuck it up somehow. Okay. I just I just don't trust them anymore um, oh. to actually make a a decent product. I don't know no, that makes me sound like a bit of a Star Wars neckbeard super fan or whatever. But I just this whole thing about neckbeard. People keep saying neckbeard. I don't see anyone who just has a beard on their neck. <laughs> well, I think this comes thing... from like Harry Knowles, doesn't it? Because he had a neck beard, and that was like Possibly. 1997, and it's well, just I think, stuck. Yeah, I think it's like you, you have like a beard, but but more of it grows on on the neck, which yeah is meant to represent somebody who I was going to say plays video games and doesn't leave the house, but that kind of describes me right now. So um, yeah, yeah, it's an odd term, and it's it's maybe a bit of a derogatory term. It just reminds me of you know in Much Do About Nothing. Do you know mm. Much Do About Nothing? Vaguely, yeah. So, like the the Ken Browner movie, right? All the characters have beards, mm-hmm. apart from the one dashing young stud muffin played by Robert Sean Leonard. Mm. And there's a scene where, like Don John the bastard, has like framed the youngun for something. Yeah. And they're like standing around berating him, and Kenneth Branagh says to him, "Yes." young lord lackbeard here because he's the only <laughs> character who hasn't got a beard and i always thought like sick burn <laughs> <laughs> lackbeard, i like it yeah not even you lack a beard but lackbeard uh, and beard it's just, every time i hear neckbeard i just hear like ken Branner in my head going neckbeard here <laughs> there you <Amazing>. go. <laughs> I'll, I'll try and think of a different term for next week <laughs> okie doke well You've surprised me anyway, as usual, and you've watched Stranger Things out of the fucking blue after we spent so long (laughs) slating on this podcast. Trashing it. What happened? I don't understand. As you know, I love to titillate, amuse, and surprise at various points. So, okay, so a little short history of me with Stranger Things, which I suspect mirrors you as well. So Stranger Things season one. Yeah. Loved it. It was it was great. Um completely fresh the start of this kind of 80s nostalgia wave um second series got a kind of lukewarm reception i actually quite liked it i thought it was a lot more kind of action focused um there was a bit more kind of danger it was a bit fraught the kids are a bit older i liked it but not many other people seem to season three people seem to think incorrectly there was a return to form season three is terrible like it's just it's just not good Mm. it's just i didn't like the main villain i -hmm. thought making billy such a i mean he's like a caricature of an 80s bad boy so i just uh, yeah Yeah, the guy with a mullet who's never yeah (laughs) and i just sort of like he's just literally a cookie cut of a bad guy i know they're leaning into um 80s tropes but i was just like no i don't don't like this there was this when millie i think it's millie bobby brown she was starting to kind of make a name for herself so every every shot that she was in it was like a super close-up like oh here she is oh there's l she's a badass oh yeah and then it, it completely overdid it on nostalgia uh um, oh yeah that was when i turned it off yeah and and it completely yeah completely put me off so again because um if we do this chronologically i'd watch three episodes of the boys and then i was like what now so mm-hmm. I went on to Netflix again, had no idea that season four of Stranger Things had even dropped. So I was like, okay, I'll 
I'll check it out. Like, what? Why not? Why on earth not? <laughs> um, and I have to say, from what I've seen, I feel like they've. You know, we often joke on this podcast about, oh, you know, people have uh, seen my criticism and they've made something that completely um, addresses all my issues. Well, yeah. so far, I'm only, I think, five episodes in, six episodes in. But so far, it looks like Stranger Things 4. Mm-hmm. I do resent the fact they don't just call it season four, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, season Stranger Things 4 looks to have righted a lot of wrongs. Oh. And I'm on board with it so far. So, oh wow! I'll start with the I'll start with the positives um, yep. this time. Um, so it's more there's more violence in it. Um, there's you, you do actually see blood, and there's um, uh, you know there's eyes gouged, bones broken in a quite mm. a gnarly way. So it's 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 still fairly safe. It's well. I don't know if I'm, I've just seen a lot of horror films over the years, but it didn't particularly shock me. But I was just like, this is good. This mm-hmm. is the direction I want it to go into. Um, you know, a lot of the kids, inverted commas, are now no longer kids. So I actually... No, they're all in their 40s now. Yeah. <laughs> they're like... Um, what was that film? Was it Orphan, where the, where the girl was like a 40-year-old, <laughs> yeah. 40-year-old midget or whatever? Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're no longer kids, but then they start instead of this kind of wholesome image that they had for most of the three seasons, where it's like, oh, they're flawed, but they're just good kids. Like a lot of these kids, you know, they they swear and they get in fights, and mm-hmm. you know, they're not quite, you know, snorting Charlie and smoking Gulwaz or whatever. But yeah, yeah they, they just got a bit bit more of an edge to them. Um, they're still. Um, Oh yeah, so there's um, some legitimate jump scares. A couple of times it did throw me off a little bit. Whereas, mm-hmm. although I liked season one and two, I, at no point was I ever scared. But you know, there's, there's a bit more tension. Mm-hmm. Um, the villains are actually scary. There's actual genuine horror in there. There's a brilliant bit in episode four where mm-hmm. Robert uh, England uh, guest stars as a prisoner. And he gives this um, kind of speech, <coughs> and it, mm-hmm. it like it's 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 really good. Like it's it's just yeah, fantastic. Mm. Um, <clears throat> the the actress who plays Max, so she was like the short ginger girl. Mm. Uh, I, I believe her name's Sadie Sink, which is a quite a, quite a cool name. Sadie she, Sink. Sadie Sink, as in like the kitchen or the bathroom or everything but the kitchen so um yeah so she is a standout um mm. and which i i think is great because she was fairly peripheral character i felt a lot of times and now it's firmly on her and i mm. think it's it's you know she's we're talking about interesting faces she's very expressive a character doesn't say a lot but says a lot through facial expressions and gestures and she she's genuinely a standout there's um a couple of episodes have been almost exclusively focused on her and she honestly she's she's been brilliant she's been a revelation mm. um i'm sure you've heard all this stuff about oh there's a kate kate bush running up running up that hill yeah it's gone back to number one that's all yeah so so it was in the first episode and i was like i don't I, like why are people jumping on this bandwagon like yeah we get it like kate bush uh, like yeah. it, it it didn't 
when they played that song in the first episode, it, was, it kind of didn't match. But when they play it again in the fourth episode, where this might be a minor spoiler, but they kind of do a Inception esque thing with the music, if All that right. makes any sense. Okay. Um, so they actually play play that song to a greater effect, and it, I have to say, it really works. Um, the last kind of good thing about it is. And this this was a huge thing for me. It has a legitimate villain now. I don't care what anyone says. Demi Gorgon was not a villain, or I didn't feel like it was a villain because in my mind it was just quite an animalistic thing. I know you had the mind, yeah, fl- yeah. and I know you had the mind flayer that was a bit more kind of devious. But yeah, I felt like the the villain in this season is is genuinely quite scary. There's some kind of Freddy Krueger esque dream invading type stuff there which i really like um okay. with some really cool imagery and stuff and the the villain looks cool mm. um think the uh what is it the white king or whatever he's called from um game of thrones but with tentacles um so again mm. genuinely chilling um yeah really really works have that focal point mm-hmm. um the kind of downsides for me are First of all, there's way, way too many characters now. They even start introducing some new characters who have like a moment where they shine and then they just get folded into the plot. Um, (laughs) So there's a few of those. And each episode is, I think, an hour and between an hour, hour and 15. And -hmm. I know they said like boasted, oh, it's the longest season yet, but it's like, it's good and I can keep up with it, but it it does feel like a bit of a slog and it, you know, Mm. There's not much filler, but it, it does feel like there's just, just too much going on. Okay. And then a lot of, conversely, the reason why I liked it is also the reason why I don't like it, in that a lot of characters that I really liked in the early seasons, especially, weirdly, um, the, the buyer's household. So that's Joyce, Steve, and Will, the yeah. kid, kid who got um, possessed. They take a massive backseat in this. Um like they just become kind of supporting characters, whereas the whole first season revolved around Will. Yeah. He's a side character. He just he, who acts as like Mike's moral compass. Mm. Uh, jo- Joyce does this thing to go and get somebody, and mm-hmm. just kind of gets shoehorned in there. Um, yeah. So it's yeah, it, it's it's interesting. It's not perfect, but it's for me like a massive, massive improvement on season three which is such a letdown and if this is mm. i think this is a season to kind of finish off that story arc in which case mm-hmm. if it continues in this vein i think you can look at stranger things as a as a overall as a success so well this is season four part one isn't it and then part two comes out later in the year i think yeah that's right yeah i hate that i think it's an and american then, thing is that split the season is that the end of it then or is it making more because literally those kids are going to be in their 60s if they make a season five <laughs> going to be older than faster than anyone else on the planet it's going to be like, like that beach in that m night Shyamalan film they just yeah it's aged by like 30 years so my understanding is and someone out there correct me if i'm wrong but i think the the arc with the kids at the moment is meant to end this season and Ooh. then potentially i guess they would i guess they'll see what else i mean i can't see 
I guess they can do Stranger Things the college years, can't they? They could do, or have a new set of kids, but in the 90s, which I think actually would be. Oh, that could be interesting. That could be good. That could be good. Because we don't, I I don't feel like we genuinely see enough things set in the 90s. So that could. Well, it goes in in cycles. We're in a new decade now. Mm. So it's always, when you're in a new decade, that decade will be spent looking back two Mm. decades previously. So now we're in the 20s. The 90s are two decades back. So now is mm. the time. <laughs> yeah. you know. Now's the time to bring the 90s back. It, there's kind of, yeah, it's up there with nostalgia that we have for the 80s. It's kind of drawing levels. So. Because I tell you what is super weird is being a child who grew up in the 80s. I can tell you in the 80s, people look back on the 50s as people look back on the 80s now. It's so weird. <laughs> it just goes in this cycle round and round yeah. it goes. And then, yeah, in the noughties, everyone was talking about the 70s. Uh, yeah, it never ends. Yeah. It's There's true, nothing it's... new under the sun, as they say. It's true. And it's anyway, yeah. would you say that mm. this is worth suffering through the rest of season three, four? Um, mm. I, would, I, I, would, I would say yes. I mean, what point okay. are you... What point are you up to with season three? I think literally episode two. I, I think Mike and Eleven split up. And I was like, you know what? I fucking done. Turned it off. <laughs> and it wasn't because of them splitting up. But it was because I didn't give a shit. And it was like mm. she was wearing like dungarees and bangles. And it was playing like Bananarama, Cruel Summer. And I was just like, what What the fuck? What is this? And yeah. then you, you've got to. The thing for season three, you've got to put up with too too many 80s references you also got to put up with hopper being a complete bastard for seemingly no reason like mm. they're like oh he's trying to protect l or whatever and it's yeah. just like no like um yeah i mean look i've i've enjoyed it so far i've still got to get through three episodes before that mid-season or part one end mm. or whatever you call it mm. um but it, it has rekindled my faith in the franchise a little bit i'm not completely in love with it um you know i'd, I'd say it's despite its criticism it's probably one of the i don't know about better series but maybe more kind of well-known series but it's it's yeah it's it's got me back on board and usually i'm one to like yourself with season three i was like I'm, mm. i'll never i'll never do this again but it, it did enough to bring me back um okay they sold me on it. I think I will give it another go. I don't know when, because yeah. you know, there's tons of stuff I'd rather watch than this. That's the thing. It's, <laughs> it's so much more. And like I say, I stumbled across this again by accident. I didn't even realise it had come out, so I wasn't looking for it. Mm. I had no idea when it was going to come out. It, it didn't even. Mm. I didn't care when it was going to come out because I didn't plan to watch it. But it's been mm. a, yeah, it's been a happy accident. Uh, yeah, happy accident. So hopefully, maybe it was looking for you. Did you see the trailer for the Sandman? Yeah. Now, are you not impressed? No. <laughs> because I, I've, I'm, I'm going to sound like such a twat here, but I've read the comics. Oh yeah, fucking neck beard. Yeah, yeah, I honestly, like my beard, my beard is like in my neck by this point. It's like part of my esophagus. It's just fucking wound its way into my body. It's. Do you know what? It's. it's I, I don't know how they're going to do it because it's such a difficult comic to 
adapt like it's very like abstract and narrative isn't always straightforward and yeah that the, the way the main character looks is like oh yeah just he just kind of looks like the the ghost from um from death note but a bit i saw more. that dude and i was a little bit like i felt like sometimes i feel now when i'm watching the crow in that like mm. yeah i could i could be a goth i could i could now, been you. now i'm too old could've for been. it but like back then i was like i could be a goth yeah <laughs> yeah I, I think so I, th- I think you've got it in you um just yeah. need some eyeliner and i think if you just give yourself face paint looking like sting the wrestler i think you'd yeah that's what i mean i don't I wouldn't say, you know, walk around with that, but, you know, maybe <laughs> at home, maybe on, on Sundays. Um, yeah, why not? So, yeah, uh, w- w- yeah, we'll see. I don't feel, like, close to or passionate about the source material for Sandman. Like, mm-hmm. I, I read the books, enjoyed it, and that's that's fine, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I worry. I worry. Well, Neil Gaiman is heavily involved in it, so. Okay. Well, in that, yeah, in that case... I mean, I, I liked, um, I don't even know what stage you're at with that now, but like American Gods, he was involved in that as well, wasn't he? Yeah, that went off the rails really quick though. <laughs> well, season two came out and I don't think, I think I might have seen like five minutes of it and just never yeah, came back. There's a it. story behind the scenes on that one. Oh, anyway, moving on. So that's Stranger Things season four, part one. That's now available on Netflix. So something that I watched that is also available on Netflix was... Something that was the object of some online buzz in March. Uh, a YouTuber named Patrick Willems started posting about it on social media, made a really nice video about it on YouTube. Um, but by the time I found out about all this, it had already finished at my local Cine World. So this is a film known as RRR. Not triple R, not RR, but R. <laughs> Oh, oh. And this is an Indian movie. And the important distinction is this is not a Bollywood movie, but instead comes from the Telugu region of India. And it is now on Netflix. So RRR stands for Rise, Roar and Revolt. And this film is directed by S.S. Rajamuli and is the most expensive Indian movie ever made my god and thanks to the pandemic i may have mentioned earlier in this episode i also had covid <laughs> but thanks to that this movie took four years to make so the plot of rrr is it takes place in british colonial india in the earlier 20th century and this tarzan-esque badass called beam has his little sister kidnapped by the british the British colonials bloody Brits and sets out to find her. And this brings him into contact with Rama Raju, who is the, who is uh, like the sort of the colony's top indigenous cop is awesome. He beats off a crowd of thousands with his truncheon in one scene. Wicked. But anyway, he's now undercover trying to track down beam, but there's an, awesome bit on a bridge where a train explodes and this little kid's like about to get like squashed by a fiery train wreck but beam and raju both at the same time go to rescue him team up do this awesome die hard-esque stunt 
and they become friends, not knowing that they are actually mortal enemies. But will they fall out, James? Will they <laughs> will they discover each other's secrets, or will they team up to take the evil British colonials down? Just take those fucking Brits down. Take so, ah, oh, oh, oh. try to imagine, if you will, if John Woo wrote a colonial historical epic with his macho bromance stuff <laughs> and then Zack Snyder directed it. <laughs> That's this movie. It's I'm fucking sold. bananas, James. <laughs> I'm sold. It's bananas. If you ever wondered what would happen if a man tried to kill another man by throwing a leopard at him, <laughs> this is the film for you. Or... On the other side of that coin, if you wanted to see the best dance battle scene ever committed to film, this is your movie. Wow. I'm telling you, dude, this thing's incredible. Every penny <laughs> is up there on the screen, and there are only one or two scenes or so that felt like green screen. Mm. All of it, like every frame is a work of art. It's probably like there's a really good drone shot, or I don't know what it is, but it seems to pull back for like miles over a bridge back so you can see a crowd and all that and like even sort of you know you're establishing shots that seem to be taken from a window overlooking a palace are amazingly well thought through everyone in these like stunning oscar worthy costumes everywhere production design detail it's all up there on screen it's a triumph of cinematography production design and just organizing all of those extras it really is um and added to that, yes, there are three musical numbers as well. It, I was wondering. I was wondering. But they are there. And also the songs they use, they're translated into subtitles uh, and they describe the action that's going on on the screen. So, yeah, you've never seen anything like this. The, the one thing that I will say, the British actors, not very good. Oh, no. That's <laughs> so that's the what I call the joint security area effect. Now, did you ever see Park Chan-wook's first film, Joint Security Area? I, I have not, no. Okay, so it is a Korean film, obviously, but they like use some Western actors in it. And because Park Chan-wook back then cannot speak a lick of English, the performances mm. of the English-speaking actors are really bad. And they're all like super wooden in this. There is that actor, Ray Stevenson, who once played the Punisher, and is in Book of Eli. He's like the main colonial bad guy in this. But he, even he's like quite wooden. Mm. But somehow that sort of adds to the camp fun of it all, I think. So it sort of works in a way. But honestly, this is one of the most exhilarating discoveries of 2022. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, you know, shots and action scenes are up there with the best of anything you've seen in recent times. And uh, one drawback I will say is it's three hours long. Oof, my goodness. And like similar to what like sort of fatally flawed the Batman for me is after two and a half hours, I did sort of feel like, okay, this is going on a little bit long now, but it's really, really good. It's really worth watching. And it's the most manly film I have ever seen. And I think that every pubic hair on my body literally grew <laughs> while I was watching it and I felt more of a man and one bit I just stood up in the middle and went I'm going for a fucking run <laughs> and she was like you've got COVID and I was like okay yeah 
You're like, okay, yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel, I feel quite faith now. Yeah. Now. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, oh, oh. See it. Do and then you... I will ask you next week. Are you okay? R R R, you okay? No, R R R, not. Sorry. It does. Um, it's funny you should mention about that. What did you call that effect? The, the joint security area effect. It's only me that's ever called anything that. I just made it up. No, do you know what? I, I think you're on something because a great example that I think everybody can get on board with of that is uh, Squid Game. The English-speaking actors in that are atrocious. Where they're like, oh, 69, my favourite number. And you're like, come on, like, what is this? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, it's a, it's a very, it's, it's an odd thing, isn't it? That it's almost like, like you say, it could be a cultural thing or that they don't want to spend as much time with the... It's like, oh, English baddies, just, ah, oh, they're English and bad. Like, what more do you want kind of thing? So, yeah. yeah, that sounds like Indiana Jones on acid, basically. It's an insane film. Just look up the look up the gifts, dude. It's freaking amazing. <laughs> There's, like, this whole action scene where one of them is on the other one's shoulders, and they're running through the jungle, and the one on top has got two rifles... And the one down the bottom is cocking him for him as he like takes out the Brits as they run to now, safety. Now, why why wouldn't you say that off the bat? That's just would, that's like what? a minor a minor action scene in this thing. You've, there's a scene, dude, right? Where uh, okay, it's like Doctor Doolittle as a as a complete lunatic in one scene. He's got this 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 truck and on the back of the truck is cages of tigers lions leopards bears everything yeah. right he drives into the palace he swerves it around he screeches it and makes it so that as it screeches to a halt all of the cages open all of the animals fly in Zack snyder's speed ramping at the brits as he jumps off in the middle of the animals and then after that dude a flaming uh-huh. a flaming horse and carriage on fire comes into the palace this <gasps> thing is nuts i'm not that sounds I'm not making this up awesome it, that sounds like exactly the kind of film i need right now yeah watch it it's amazing <laughs> rrr i'm actually gonna write that one down <laughs> oh, not that i don't write down all your recommendations obviously obviously anyway enough of me gabbing on you watched love death and robots <laughs> season I, three ahead of yes. me well i did but that's probably because you had covid right because you had covid i think you had no COVID. for some reason i managed to watch all of season six so far of better call saul and then half of some random strongman anime i found called kengan ashura and i don't know why i didn't just watch love death and robots it was mm. right there but i'll get to yeah. it yeah yeah, especially as it's, um, I don't know, you get, get through a whole season in, I don't know, maybe, uh, there's like eight episodes in, in this one, so I think there's oh, like... Oh, really? Only eight? Yeah, but I think yeah. there's like, is that two more than season two, possibly? But the crucial no, thing is... I feel like season one and two, I feel, I feel like they both had like 12 episodes each. Oh, uh, maybe. It's really long. Oh, could have been. Because hmm. I think what they've done with this one is, I don't know whether this was... Uh, you know budgets or whatever but um they've yeah there's i think there's i'm pretty sure there's it's either six or eight episodes but there there's there's one um episode which is six minutes long 
but the rest of them are at least like 15 minutes so mm. um so for me i actually preferred that whereas i feel like the first season definitely second season less so but it, it kind of felt like I'm, I'm pretty sure this was the intention but it, it kind of felt like a bit of a proof of concept thing Mm. um where they just you know just be like oh look at look at this crazy world look at this you know just showing off there's a lot of what i call playstation cutscene filler Mm, yes seasons one and two yes yeah oh my god do you know what the i think it's the last episode of season one where the russians uh have to kill those like aliens that are burrowing into the ground yeah that felt like honestly that felt like something that came out of a call of duty like zombies mode or something it really like did yeah that's an amazing one. i've never thought of it like that because there's certain episodes in season one and two um mm. where you just think ah it just doesn't you like it's doing all the right things but there's something that's not quite right and that's what it is you're 100 it, it, it just feels like a video game cutscene. yeah because it um, is kind of this this thing a lot of it is the sort of david fincher tim miller studio that they've got kind of mm. you know doing a lot of like yeah like you say proof of concept I, I get the impression of a lot of it was sort of the effects artists on their downtime tinkering yes. around and coming up yeah with stuff. yeah just doing like cool things they're like oh just mm. put this cool visual in here and uh, maybe yeah. it links something maybe it doesn't but yeah um i think we both discussed um a couple of weeks ago that um it you know a lot of the seasons or a lot of the episodes boil down to a group of soldiers go somewhere that they're not really meant to do and then get attacked yeah. by some beasties and, and then there's like there. random raunch like shaking <laughs> yeah. everything yeah there's um i mean one of the episodes is quite sexually charged i would say but they seem to yeah. have um kind of minimized a, a lot of that yeah i think it was the first season where there's just a lot of seemingly quite gratuitous sex which mm. not being prudish but there's just no need for it but Did you um, watch, so you watched season one and two you caught up yes yeah, so i caught up with season uh yes yeah, so i saw season one saw season two after you reviewed it on this podcast. see the the episode with the giant body on the shore it's one of the best uh, it's one of the best episodes of anything so I've ever good seen. yeah like genuinely that should have won an Oscar. I don't it know. It was really amazing. It, honestly, one of the, yeah, if anybody wants to check it out, I think it's the last mm. episode of season two of Love, Death and Robots uh, with yeah. a giant that washes up and short. It is mm. it, like, so brilliant, good. like absolutely brilliant. Mm. Um, so yeah, season three, it, it, what to say about season three? So <laughs> season three has a lot of my kind of favorite episodes. Um, for love death and robots it's got mm. a couple of naff ones so th- there's an anime style one called pulse in the machine where it's about uh, somebody dying and like becoming part of a planet and stuff and they're yeah. an astronaut didn't like that it kind of felt like 2001 vibes but it, it just yeah I, I, I didn't like that there was another one um called swarm which is about uh, a world where like this parasite or something has basically controlled lots of different races of aliens to act as a hive mind and it's like the perfect model and then there's a whole thing about um you know uh individual free will versus doing what's right for the for the for the greater good Mm -hmm. uh it's an interesting idea but it i don't know in my opinion it doesn't really 
go anywhere and it just ends very abruptly. Mm. Um, but the the high points are um, particularly particularly high. So one of the episodes um, basically it it is a standard setup where a bunch of soldiers go in a place, get completely overwhelmed, and get fucking eaten by everything. But yeah. the ending of that show is kind of the ending of that episode flips it on its head because without giving it away the monsters that attack these soldiers are not really the they're not kind of the 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 big bad they're okay. potentially yeah look looking yeah potentially guarding or protecting something else so the way that episode ends is is really cool there's some kind of lovecraftian stuff in there which works really well mm. um Another episode, this is, I do like hyperbole, but I have to say there's an episode called Bad Travelling, which is one of the best kind of like 30 minutes <clears throat> I've just ever spent really? doing it, doing anything. Yeah, Bad Travelling, you say? Yes. So I believe this was actually directed by David Fincher. Um, oh, that's right. He did. Yeah. I've, I've yeah. had some buzz about this. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, for me, it's probably the best episode of the entire show. Um, but it mm-hmm. basically re- revolves around a, uh, a a ship and its crew. I think we're looking at, it's kind of anachronistic, so it could be kind of around turn of the 19th century, but turn of the 18th. It's kind of a, has a bit of a kind of swashbuckling vibe to it. Um, mm-hmm. And this particular <clears throat> crew are looking for um sharks there's these particular sharks that if you hunt their oil um they can sell the 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 oil or blubber on them for for a lot of money yeah. um and this ship gets attacked by a crustacean aka a massive fuck off crab shit goes down um the ship's navigator um pulls a short straw but actually mm. doesn't and when you see that you'll you'll see what i mean Mm-hmm. Um, and is told to okay because um, this creature when it attacks a boat it kind of hides in the hold so this guy's nominated right you have to flush it out mm-hmm. so he then goes down to the hold negotiate basically starts talking to this creature and they basically come to a bit of an agreement and mm. i don't want to say any more than that because then there's a lot of twists and turns between what the ship's navigator who's mm-hmm. called Torin, who I think is voiced by uh, Troy Baker of oh, yeah. many, many video games. Fame. <laughs> um, so it's all about, uh, you know, it's a lot of deception about, um, you know, what are his three motives, what are the crab's three motives, what are the rest of the crew's three motives. There's a yeah. lot of kind of power play. And then it all kind of comes together in the end in quite a satisfying way, whereas you think it's going to go in a very, very kind of dark, bleak path. And it is a very dark and bleak story, but it kind of just at the end, you're like, okay, there is a bit of hope for uh, some of our characters and therefore for humanity, mankind. So, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Just dialogue is, is great. The animation is, I just could, I just couldn't stop watching it. I mean, I was watching tv so it's probably good that i didn't start watching it um <laughs> <laughs> to be honest but yeah and it's got like uh, the right amount of kind of gore and violence and it's again it's it's actually quite horrific in its own way and actually you know builds up a lot of tension so 
absolutely brilliant. And then the other episode that I'd recommend everyone to see as well uh, mm. is called Jibaro, which is... Uh, is this the thing with like the... It looks like a cross between Avatar and an Indian wedding. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way of... That's a great way of summarising it. Yeah, so again, I think this is a for sure like a less is more kind of approach, but it involves um, soldiers like conquistadors who mm. invade a kind of jungle region and one of its inhabitants is like this ethereal she looks like a woman but also might be kind of made of might be a construct of something and this kind of guardian of the land is not happy to uh, is not happy to see them and mm. it becomes a whole treatise on colonialism um <clears throat> you know kind of literal metaphorical yeah uh, and kind of killing and raping the land um and then there's some um, visually i mean this is it's even better than bad traveling and it's even better than i mean there were times where i had to i genuinely paused it and i never do this but i paused it to see like am i watching animation or is it or is this um or is this live action yeah. and like the animation is it's just it's just perfect sound mm. sound design's amazing i, I love to see yeah. it you know if you think along the lines of the sound design from a quiet place but it's kind of punctuated by it's like silence punctuated by really like <laughs> shrill music. I, I don't I don't think is there's either no dialogue or very little dialogue. And it's um, yeah, it's a masterpiece, to be honest. Um, right. ju- just these two episodes alone. Um, yeah. Can't stop thinking about either of them. They're fantastic. So you think like overall, is this the best season or is season oh. two still the best? I think this season, because it's because there's fewer episodes, I think it's actually yeah. a bit more, it's a bit more focused. And like I say, you do have there's one video which is quite short, but it mm. benefits being short. Whereas I feel like maybe some of the earlier seasons, they were, I feel like they said to a director or an animator, right, you got three minutes to just come up with something. Mm. Whereas I, I feel with this one, there's a bit more room to breathe. They're a bit longer. Characters are fleshed out. The worlds are fleshed out, and therefore um yeah I, I feel that um episodes are more memorable as a as a uh as a result so i'd be really interested to see what you think of these definitely yeah i will um definitely get on that uh good so I, i'm good yeah it's on my list of things to do you know what's really like you ever like use your laptop and it's fine everything's going fine and then all these pop-ups appear yes all the time or but stuff that just like happened and it's like it's telling me i've got like a virus and to clear trackers and all this shit and i'm oh, like for fuck's sake. what are you talking about mr mcafee i don't know <laughs> i'm in the middle of a skype call <laughs> who by the way being is a bit dead. rude i can't believe he came from beyond the grave to be like you must install your antivirus yeah it is rude it is rude to be honest i think uh, uh, i think i will write a strongly worded letter dear mr mcafee if that is your <laughs> real name that's Love, Death and Robots, anyway. Uh, currently on streaming on Netflix. So, yep. let me finish us off. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'll... Uh, finish it off. We can get, get the big ones out. Ready? I'd, I'd rather do it in person, but sure, if, if we must. Now, Top Gun. Top Gun. Mm. 1986's Top Gun. Now, this film, I grew up with the impression this was a chick flick. 
because when it came out, I was like eight years old. And my mum was obviously still in her 20s. She had me quite young. She was still going out and about, still going to the cinema a lot. And I think Top Gun was a movie they went to see, like, on a girl's night out. Like, because they were okay. all like, oh, Tom Cruise is so lovely, kind of thing. Oh, he's a pilot. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I always just sort of thought, uh, I'm, I'm never going to see this. And I had sort of, like, this wrong kind of impression of it. And then, like... I didn't see it until it was on ITV when I was like 11 and I watched it like twice in one week because I recorded it off the TV and then I never went back to it. I've literally not seen the original Top Gun since I was 11 years old. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But then like it's one of those movies that went into the popular consciousness like big time like and I can tell like if something's gone mainstream in a way by like certain people amongst my group of friends who are like the most normal meat and potatoes football on a Sunday afternoon people (laughs) you've ever met in your life. And if they quote a movie to me, then I know it's gone mainstream and Top Gun is one of the ones they're like, you know, it's where that wingman comes from. It's like, talk to me goose, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. So, you You know, know, I've not you really had much of a clue, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, to quoting Top Gun dialogue to me, I, I don't really know because I've only seen it like twice. Yeah, now I, I haven't seen the film, but mm. my takeaway from that film is that yeah, a it's cheesy as all hell, but b that the music is perhaps the more memorable. So you've never uh, even seen the original Top Gun. You've but never it's one seen. Of the, it's one of those things, like you say. It's so ingrained in public consciousness. Like I feel like I've seen I it. Like and I absolutely, have. absolutely haven't. But I feel like I've just fucking absorbed these memories of Tom yeah. Cruise in it in a in a play. It's a strange thing. Strange yeah. thing. So I guess I've never really had a connection to it. But um, after being trailered for two goddamn years, mm. Top Gun Maverick is here now. Top Gun Maverick uh, follows Tom Cruise's character from the original movie pete maverick mitchell he's never really gone very far in terms of his military career you know he hasn't excelled the way his classmates did etc and he's now a test pilot for like experimental aircraft and all that reaching like mac 10 and the stratosphere and that kind of thing but seemingly like wanting to push the limits and destroying aircraft in the process so what happens is he gets uh recruited to be the instructor for a new group of cadets who are going to fly a really dangerous mission it's a suicide mission to sort of fly down almost vertical into this valley hit a target that's really hard to to reach and then fly up in a almost vertical pattern facing the g's and sort of get out of there without dying and uh, val kilmer's character from the first movie iceman He's Bam now Kilmer's sort of back. like, yeah, he's like the admiral, and he specifically requests Maverick for this 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 task. So that's the plot, and I've read some extreme reactions to this online, like like fathers and sons tearfully hugging as the credits roll, and like people high fiving each other, and people going to see this four fucking times. <laughs> Empire gave it five stars. They did, yeah. Um, yeah, and it seems to be the film. It is making all the money, like all the money. 
Um, and interestingly, our social media account, run by our good friend Pam Demonium, she ran a poll on Sunday. And yes. it's kind of like, what is your favorite movie of 2022 so far? So the options were The Batman, The Northman, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick won the poll wow. by a considerable 10% more than The Batman, which was second. Interesting. So this is hitting a nerve. Um the action scenes in this are legit enthralling. I will say that on that front alone, for for sheer practical spectacle, the the sort of dogfight scenes and the actual mission scenes and that kind of thing, they may be the best sort of practical in-camera physical rush since Mad Max Fury Road. That is indisputable. They are some brilliant scenes. And if you're going to see it, go see it in IMAX or 2DX as it actually feels like you're in the goddamn sky. Oh, wow. Um, and I did get, like, quite choked up when Val Kilmer actually turns up in the movie. And I think a, a lot of that, though, was not so much for the character and his connection with Tom Cruise's character, but for the fact that Val Kilmer's obviously been through, like, throat cancer. He's had a really him, hard life. like Yeah, stuff. seeing him on screen there, he actually looked the healthiest he's looked in a while. Oh. But then he actually... Well, I won't spoil it, actually, but anyway it's quite a moving scene but maybe it's just like my lack of connection to the original but i'm i'm not as invested in it and as enamored with it as everyone else seems to be um so like everything sort of in between the flying scenes i'm kind of like this is totes cliche this is like this is like aping the original Specifically in one shirtless sports scene, let's say. Oh, okay, yeah. And I'm a bit like, okay, but this and even though the flying scenes are incredible, this and that to me doesn't make a five-star classic movie that everyone's claiming it to be. And I wish, I wish I had, I wish I did tear up. I wish I did feel the need to go back four or five times, but I'm just not. Um, But having said all that, it does feel. A lot like the Jerry Bruckheimer produced summer blockbusters of yesteryear that we haven't seen in quite a long time. And it was kind of great to see that on the screen. You know, those like filters, those Tony Scott filters and that soundtrack. You know, they don't really change up the soundtrack. They add Lady Gaga. Uh, Play all the classics. Yeah, and it's pretty nice to see like Tom Cruise in an age appropriate relationship with, you know, an actress who is in her 50s as well. That's that's quite refreshing in, in a strange way to see that on screen. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't happen all that often, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. and um, for for that alone, in the exhilarating action scenes, I mean, the action scenes are where it's at. That it's a solid recommend for that alone. Mm. Um, but I can see this falling apart for a lot of people when they see it at <laughs> home on like the TV. They'll be like, "What? Why well, was like, <laughs> What is why, this? Why did I go see that four times?" Because a lot of it really does, you know, depend on seeing it on the big screen. A lot mm. of that sort of beautiful cinematography and the, the beautiful planes and the, the action is where mm, it's at. But other than that, I don't, I don't think there's an awful lot to it. Unless you're like really, really like Top Gun is my favorite film of all time. Mm. You know? Yeah. So that's my story. 
And yeah, I think it's interesting because there are certain, I mean, I would put almost every single Marvel film under the category of amazing in the cinema, like legitimately amazing. Doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, I saw Ant-Man 2 in the cinema and I loved it, but there's certain titles that just do not travel well onto the small screen and that's fine you know it's at the end of that cinema release that's where it expects to make all its money but yeah I, I i agree i think um i think people might struggle with this there's also a thing where because i know they tr- they tried something similar with baywatch when that came out a few years ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> that classic that magnum opus mm-hmm. um but where, where they try and stick with that 80s cheesy humor but it just doesn't work because productions nowadays are so polished um you know so, so, so much goes into it and you know scripts go through millions of rewrites there's no way to make something uh, that kind of novelty kind of cheesy stuff there's no way to do that without just looking disingenuous um these days whereas at least in the 80s with top gun okay don't yeah. get me wrong they probably thought yeah there's something a bit silly about you know playing with the boys on the beach playing beach volleyball but at the same time i think they also thought oh this is a scene to demonstrate the camaraderie or something like there's a bit more of an innocence to it whereas if you try and do that that whole kind of cheesy setup for for a film like this uh, yeah i again without having seen it i can i think i yeah sounds like i'll cringe at the the dialogue but love the the action films and it's strange as well, well that um Tom Cruise nowadays, he seems to be, I don't know if this was always the case, but he's now synonymous with like some of the best like action scenes, e- even in films like The Mummy, which was terrible, like the actual production of it and the actual action that was on screen, like it was pretty terrific and the stunts and stuff like yeah. it's just weird how he's become synonymous i mean i get I get the impression like based on the campaigning for this movie and all that that he's a very big you know advocate for the cinema experience, yeah, yeah. So he's very serious and put, yeah mm. about what he does yeah mm. so would you recommend me going going to see it would you say i should go out of my way to watch this film i wouldn't if you're gonna go to the cinema go see jurassic world dominion which mm. comes out friday and i'm gonna see it sunday and then we can review it on the next episode yes i've been waiting i know it's well, gonna be yeah shit, exactly but... you've made such a bloody malarkey about dinosaurs on this fucking podcast over the last like six <laughs> years there's been like you know. <coughs> look my i asked a question which was why do hollywood not make dinosaur films anymore do you know what i've been greeted with by hollywood death deathly silence no they can't they can't they've got no answer for me well they made this movie for you well and that's why it better be good and that's why it's 100 percent going to be probably really disappointing they'll be like oh here's wheel jeff goldblum out for a scene and then fucking <laughs> wheel him back put him in his sarcophagus like yeah off you go jeff cheers uh, yeah <laughs> yeah thank, thanks thanks <laughs> thanks that 10 minutes uh brilliant yeah all right so we'll be back in two weeks probably with an episode about dinosaurs i don't know james probably won't see it but we'll see we'll see what happens that's gonna do it for today so you can email us at lunchhourgeekout at gmail.com all lowercase two eighties lunchhourgeekout at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lunchhourgeek. And remember, that which does not kill you only serves to make you stronger. I've had COVID. Goodbye.
Au revoir. Thank you.